of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And I think right at the top of this show here, we all need to take just a really big, nice, long exhale and just try to, you know, catch our collective breaths after what was an absolutely wild game two in Madison Square Garden, a game that the Rangers really needed to win. You know, that whole must win uh, phrase is always kind of thrown around. And what exactly does it mean? You know, it's it's very subjective because to me, you know, I think must win game to me, it's a Stanley Cup playoffs. Every single game is a must win game. If the Rangers had won game one, would any of us have really felt like, well, it doesn't really matter if they win this one? No, of course not. We all would have been on pins and needles, just like we were last night with them down one to nothing. So to me, either every game is a must win, or you could take it very literally and say the only time it's a true must win is when you're facing elimination. But uh, be that as it may, Regardless of how you want to phrase this, this is obviously a huge, huge game for the Rangers. There's just a world of difference between being tied 1-1, heading back to Pittsburgh, and being down 2-0, heading back to Pittsburgh. And it was just a really gutsy, uh, strong effort from the New York Rangers. I think one thing that really stood out was, I mean, first of all, Igor Shesterkin in general, and we'll get to him in just a second. But I think the moxie that the Rangers showed at the start of the third period. The Rangers have been one of the best third-period teams in the NHL the entire season, and that continued in this game as well. It didn't get off to so good of a start. And to just kind of recap and kind of bring everybody uh, you know, back up to speed here, uh, the Penguins got to go on a fantastic individual effort by Sidney Crosby at the end of the second period. Ranger fans may not be the biggest fans of Sidney Crosby, but be that as it may, you got to acknowledge greatness when you see it. And he basically posterized uh, half the Ranger team on that play, uh, just driving to the net, refusing to be denied. Uh, eventually, he ends up scoring on a rebound, but he made the whole thing happen by, you know, carrying the puck out of his zone into the Ranger zone and, uh, you know, just obviously uh, creating some chaos there. And the Rangers, they got to put a body on him in that situation. They can't just be reaching for the puck like they were. Uh, but be that as it may, that obviously created a tense situation at the start of the third period because that goal by Sidney Crosby came late in the second period, I believe like 126 to go in the second period, something like that. And it cut the Ranger lead down to three to two. So now you got a one goal lead going into the third period. And the Rangers in the third, really back on their heels in the first few minutes of the final stanza there. Uh, you know, the Penguins just, the, the rink was tilted. The Rangers were under a lot of pressure. The Penguins ended up getting at least the first eight shots on goal of the third period. I'm not exactly sure, you know, where that ended up. It might have stopped at eight or might have gotten to nine or ten or whatever. But uh, the bottom line is uh, the Rangers bent but didn't break, and they owe a lot of that to their world-class goalie, Igor Shesterkin, who once again turned in a phenomenal, uh, just show-stealing effort, stopping 39 of 41 shots. Uh, he got knocked down to the ice by the Penguins on two separate occasions. More on that a little bit later in today's episode. Uh, but perhaps most importantly, once again, he was at his absolute best when he absolutely needed to be. And again, that was the start of the third period there, uh, just making... Great save after great save, and the one that really stood out was, uh, you know, the Penguins worked the puck down into the crease, and Crosby's there, and Crosby's got an opportunity to score from the doorstep. And as I tweeted, as you know, while this game was happening last night, I was holding my breath. I don't know about you guys. I was holding my breath every single time the Crosby-Gensel-Rust line was on the ice. That's been the entirety of the Penguins' offense this series, almost literally. I mean, they've scored, let's see, they've now scored seven goals, uh, no, excuse me. They've scored six goals, and five of them have come via the Crosby line. The only one that didn't come via the Crosby line was the overtime winner by Malkin. And so 
that line has basically carried the Penguins, at least offensively, through the first couple games of this season. But Crosby got the chance right on the doorstep, and Igor made a sensational save, you know, moving very quickly left to right in his crease. And then Crosby had a chance to maybe get his own rebound, and a really nice play by Adam Fox kind of picked his pocket, stuck up from behind, got the puck out of harm's way. But, you know, the Rangers, they were in dire straits at the beginning of that third period, and then, you know, they eventually started to assert themselves, and... Got a goal by uh, Artemi Panarin to make the score 4-2. to two. A little bit of a fortunate bounce there, but I will say uh, the Raiders kind of earned that break. First of all, I think the hockey gods uh, maybe smile on the Rangers a little bit here after everything that we, we saw in Game 1 there. But what really stood out on this play to me was Artemi Panarin with some strong... Uh, work along the boards, which, I mean, Panarin's a phenomenal player. You don't really think of him as, like, you know, winning these these crazy board battles. And it wasn't really a board battle per se, but basically Panarin had the puck on the right side, went up the boards, you know, in the Penguin zone, went around the net. You know, a couple Penguins tried to you know, knock him off balance, get the puck away from him. He wouldn't let it happen. He comes back out the other side of the net, up the left side of the boards, and then passes the puck uh, back to, who was it here? Who did he pass to? He passed back to Keandre Miller. Keandre Miller then makes a pass to his right and uh, along the boards to Frank Vetrano. Vetrano goes cross-ice to Panarin. Now Panarin at this point is once again going to carry the puck behind the net and look to pass, and that's exactly what he did. He tried to pass, uh, I believe it was to Jacob Truba on the other side of the ice. Rangers got a lucky bounce here. There's no two ways about it, but again, uh, a little bit of puck luck never hurt anybody, and again, I think the hockey gods might have been smiling a little bit on the Rangers here, uh, but Panarin tried to make the pass off the skate of a defenseman into the net. I didn't even see what happened. You know, uh, next thing I know, the, the puck's in the net. It looked like Panarin was trying to pass, and then on the replay, obviously, I saw it deflected off the skate, went into the net. Rangers up 4-2, get a little bit of breathing room there, and then the Rangers finally did something that to this point in the series, they haven't really done that good of a job of, and that's they came back really strong on the shift immediately following a goal, and in fact, just over a minute and a half later, you get Frank Vetrano uh, scoring just a fantastic goal, outstanding individual effort on this play, just a, a complete snipe, basically uh, Vetrano gets the puck in the neutral zone. He gains the blue line. He's up the right side, and he's trying to, uh, you know, drive toward the net. He takes a little bit of a hit. Uh, Matheson, you know, looked to push him into the boards, but Vetrano mostly avoided the contact, just kind of ducked underneath him, and then kept going toward the net, and then just unleashed an absolute snipe. He uh, scored into the far side of the net, just inside the far post, over the right shoulder of Doming and gave the Rangers a 5-2 to two lead. And at this point, you know, the game's certainly not over. It's playoff hockey. Anything can happen. We're all very, very aware of that. But you're starting to feel good as a Ranger fan that, okay, yes, this team, they're starting to close in on this victory here. And they're starting to, uh, you know, be pretty close to having this series tied at 1-1, heading back to Pittsburgh, which, again, something that they absolutely positively needed to do. They had to win this game last night and get this series even. And, you know, something that we talked about in our most recent episode, kind of staying on Vetrano here, there was an idea floated on Twitter. You know, I don't know exactly where it started. And again, I think a couple of different people might have suggested this. The idea was perhaps flip-flopping Frank Vetrano and Capo Caco. Because Vetrano, you know, he was all right in game one. I don't think that he necessarily stood out in that positive of a way. But he did have six shots on goal. And with Vetrano, he's got such a lethal shot. You just figure it's only going to be a matter of time before he puts one into the net. I mean, sooner or later, he's going to beat the goalie. His shot is just that good. And, you know, Capo Caco, obviously had uh, you know, a strong game for himself in game one, even aside from the controversial uh, non-goal that was called in the third period there, late in the third. Uh, so the idea was there. Maybe you try to catch lightning in a bottle with Capo Caco, the former number two overall pick in the draft. You put him up there with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, and maybe he takes off. But 
as I said in yesterday's episode, I wasn't really feeling the idea. I mean, it's I get the idea, and it's something to definitely consider. But like I said, I think the best thing to do if you're Gerard Gallant and that coaching staff was to kind of keep that move in your back pocket. If there's a situation in game two here where the Rangers aren't doing anything offensively and you think you need a jump start and maybe Kako's turning in some good shifts on the third line, then maybe then is when you you make that change. You move Kako up to the top line, you drop Vitrano down to the third line. But to me, uh, Vitrano with that lethal shot of his, I want him on the ice and I want him firing the puck at the net and I want him benefiting from playing with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider because we've seen him uh, just do great work with them the entire season. And in this game here tonight, he ends up with a goal and two assists. Uh, again, just a fantastic job by Frank Vetrano. I've said it before. I will continue to say it. Frank Vetrano, the absolute steal of the trade deadline season. The Rangers got this guy from the President's Trophy winning Florida Panthers in exchange for just a fourth round draft pick. And he has just absolutely killed it for the Rangers. Once again, a three-point performance in this game and somebody that has really made a difference since coming over to the New York Rangers. And the fact that Chris Drury and the entire front office got this guy for just a fourth-round draft pick cannot say enough uh, about the job that they did with this trade. Uh, just kudos to the entire front office for making this happen. Uh, but we're just getting started here. We got to talk a little bit about some of the injuries really on both sides. You know, the Penguins obviously dealing with some injuries and the Rangers dealing with some injuries. And uh, we have some updates, you know, after the game. Going into the game, we saw, you know, during warmups, you know, Lindgren's not out there. Goodrow's not out there. Obviously, they're not going to be playing in this game, uh, but there's a little bit more clarity on their injuries. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot of other stuff in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's Run to the Roses as the Kentucky Derby is back. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting, wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we got to go ahead and talk about some of these injuries that the Rangers are currently facing and how they can look to deal with the absence of some of these players going forward uh, in the rest of this series and hopefully beyond if you're a Ranger fan. But obviously the big news last night, Ryan Lindgren and Barkley Goodrow both out of the lineup with injuries. Uh, Ryan Lindgren was not entirely unexpected because uh, I believe on two separate occasions in game one, he had to leave the game for you know a certain amount of time and obviously he kept coming back. Bark, or excuse me, uh, Ryan Lindgren is tough as nails and obviously he's going to try to gut it out, do everything he can if possible, but... The Rangers took a look at this and clearly said that, you know, he's not ready to go for this one. So, again, you know the injury uh, has to be pretty legit because Ryan Lindgren's going to gut out everything if he can. I mean, this guy leads the NHL and blood spilled on the ice and, uh, you know, just, just a Old, old school, hard nose throwback player, and uh, obviously somebody that the Rangers will miss going forward, uh, depending on how many games he has to sit, because he's usually out there with Adam Fox, plays uh, just an incredible amount of minutes on most nights for the New York Rangers. Him and Adam Fox complement each other extremely well. So it is definitely a loss uh, for this team. Hopefully, again, you know, they said that he's day-to-day. -day, so maybe that means quite literally 
exactly what it sounds like. You never know when you're dealing with these NHL injuries. Everybody's always very vague as far as what the injury is and how long that player is going to be sidelined. But obviously the hope here, if you're a Ranger fan, you keep your fingers crossed that we see Ryan Lindgren back out there for game three in Pittsburgh on Saturday night. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. And obviously if there's an update uh, before I'm done recording this episode, I'll certainly add that at the end of it. And then you go to Barclay Goodrow, and this was somewhat unexpected. You know, Goodrow just wasn't out there for warm-ups. I, I don't know that it was even really reported before the game. I was, you know, doing my best to keep an eye on Twitter during the day yesterday. I know Gallant hinted that there might be another change in the lineup other than just, you know, potentially Ryan Lindgren not playing because Lindgren was listed as, you know, a game-time decision. Uh, Gallant, if I understand correctly, hinted that there could be another change. And then once the warm-ups began, we obviously saw what that change was. Barclay Goodrow was nowhere to be found. And unfortunately, the timetable for him is not good, whereas Lindgren is being considered day-to-day, Barkley Goodrow being considered week-to-week. And so we'll see. Again, it's a very vague term. I mean, I hear week-to-week. I think, okay, well, the shorter end of that spectrum is one week, right? And today is Friday the 6th, so... That would mean one week from today, or I guess one week from yesterday, the 5th, that would be Thursday the 12th, if you want to take this literally, and the Rangers would be off on Thursday the 12th, but if this series is still going, uh, Game 6 would be the following night on Friday the 13th, and then Game 7, if if we get to that, would be on Sunday the 15th, and obviously it'd be nice to have Barclay Goodrow back out there for those games. He does a lot of good things for the Rangers. He had the biggest offensive season of his NHL career, more points than he's ever had uh, in his life in the NHL, but on top of that, you know, somebody that provides some good leadership. You know, I realize the Rangers have a boatload of alternate captains, six to be exact, but he is one of them, and he was named an alternate captain here in just his first season with the New York Rangers. Uh, He's somebody that, again, does provide some leadership and some playoff experience because he's the only player on this roster that has a Stanley Cup championship to his name. He's won the last two Stanley Cups with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Sammy Blay also won a cup with the St. Louis Blues, but obviously the Rangers are without him right now. So uh, it's nice to have somebody that is battle-tested in the playoffs, knows what it takes to win a championship in this league. It's obviously a very difficult thing to do and kind of lead the way for some of the younger guys on this New York Ranger team. On top of that, again, just a very versatile player. I've always kind of commended him for being that Swiss Army knife type of guy. You know, you can move him up and down the lineup pretty freely. I think certainly he's probably a better fit in the bottom six and the top six. But if you're in a pinch, you can get by with Barclay Goodrow in a top six role if you absolutely have to. Um, But on top of that, you know, he plays all three uh, forward positions. So he obviously provides a lot of versatility there. He's good in the faceoff circle. He's a good penalty killer, a hard-nosed player, definitely a little bit of a throwback himself. And obviously the Rangers are definitely going to be missing him. So the obvious thing to hope for here is that he beats the timetable, so to speak, or at least, uh, you know, comes back in a week, which would seem to be the short end of the spectrum here, as I just mentioned. And, you know, beyond that, if he's not back for any of the rest of this Penguin series, you hope that the Rangers can just beat the Penguins without him, advance in the playoffs, and eventually Barkley Goodrow can get back out there into the lineup. We'll see what happens there. As far as, you know, the lineup changes and line combinations with no Ryan Lindgren and no Barclay Goodrow, the two players that subbed into the lineup were fairly predictable. That was Dryden Hunt and Justin Braun. And in fact, really, I might as well just go through the lineup real quick here, just kind of share my thoughts on everything that the Rangers uh, did. The top nine was unchanged. I've already said my piece on Frank Vetrano and why, you know, I thought it was a good idea for the Rangers to leave him on that top line with Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. That was indeed the top line, Mika centering Kreider and Vetrano. Second line, also unchanged, Strom centering Panarin and Kopp. 
third line, the kid line, Heedle centering Lafreniere and Kako. That was untouched from game one. Then, obviously, the injury to Goodrow necessitates a change on the fourth line. You've got Kevin Rooney centering Dryden Hunt on the left wing, Ryan Reeves on the right wing. And good for Hunt. You know, I don't know that he necessarily stood out that much one way or another in this game. But as we mentioned, you know, he played hard for the Rangers this season, got the most out of, you know, his skill set and carved out a bigger role for himself than we thought. Uh, obviously, we'd rather have Barclay Goodrow out there, but uh, good for Dryden Hunt. He's somebody that's really worked hard uh, to, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say solidify his spot in the lineup, but at least, you know, kind of solidify his spot as being in the mix to be in the lineup, if that makes sense. Uh, but then you get the defense pairings. Miller and Truba listed as the top pairing. And obviously, with Ryan Lindgren out of the lineup, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. You know, how should they line up uh, as far as a defenseman? Do you put Miller with uh, Adam Fox? I'm glad they kept Miller and Truba together. I like the idea of these two uh, not breaking up. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. These guys have obviously played some tremendous hockey together this season. And I just had a gut feeling that it would end up being Braun and Fox. I mean, I know the Rangers didn't win game one, but... I also didn't like the idea of breaking up all the defense pairings, so might as well just put Braun with Fox, you know, the veteran, uh, steps in with Adam Fox, and then you keep Nemeth and Schneider together. I do have to wonder, though, you know, if Lindgren had played in this game, whether the Rangers would have gone with Nemeth or Braun. That's kind of an interesting subject to debate, and, you know, whenever Brian Lindgren comes back into the lineup, it's going to push either Nemeth or Braun back into the press box, so we'll see what happens there. But overall, a fairly strong night for the Ranger defenseman. Definitely liked what I saw there. Uh, the Sidney Crosby goal notwithstanding, because, again, he pretty much posterized the entire Ranger team on that goal. But overall, yeah, I mean, this is pretty much exactly how it all lined up, given the injuries to Lindgren and Goodrow, and... Obviously, at this point, we just keep our fingers crossed that both of those guys can be back into the lineup sooner rather than later. And something else that I definitely want to talk about here is the shift immediately following a goal and particularly how the Rangers have not really been at their best for a good chunk of this series in the shift that immediately follows a goal or, you know, Beyond that, even just the next, you know, minute or two uh, on the shift that follows a goal. I don't always mean that literally because the shift following a goal might last four seconds and the puck goes out of play. I just mean how the Rangers uh, respond in the immediate aftermath to a goal being scored. And, you know, for a while in this series, it really was not good. Pretty much all of game one, it wasn't the best. And game two didn't start a whole lot better. And there's actually some stats to back it up here. Uh, they flashed this on the screen during the MSG broadcast last night. And in game one, you got Andrew Kopp, who scored a goal to make it 2 to nothing Rangers. Jake Gensel scores a goal just a minute and 24 seconds later. Then in game one, you had Chris Kreider scoring a shorthanded goal to make the score 3-2. to two. Brian Russ scores 123 later to tie the game at 3-3. Now, granted there, uh, Kreider's goal was shorthanded. And then when Russ scored, the Penguins had the 5-on-3 power play. So that one's at least a little bit more forgivable. But then uh, also in this game last night, game two, Andrew Kopp scores to make the score one to nothing. Jake Gensel scores just two minutes and two seconds later to once again tie the game. And it goes beyond just those stats. You know, it's just the fact that the Rangers seem to not always be razor sharp in the shift that immediately follows a goal. And we've talked about that on and off pretty much since the start of this podcast, since two seasons ago, uh, last season and this season. I do think it's an area where they've improved, but I also hope that they're learning their lesson. And like I said, this did get better as game two progressed. I thought that uh, the shift after the Kreider goal was not good for the Rangers. The Rangers went up 3-1 to one when Chris Kreider scored on a deflection in the second period. You had Ke'Andre Miller passing to Frank Vetrano, Vetrano taking a shot from the blue line, and Chris Kreider just doing what he does, redirecting the puck into the net, giving the Rangers a 3-1 lead. But the, the Penguins, excuse me, they stormed back in the following shift, had a couple of scoring opportunities, 
did not score. You know, Igor Shosturkin definitely had something to do with that as well. But you just got to be better. And, and I realized, look, they're up against uh, a buzzsaw right now because that Crosby line is absolutely terrifying every time they're on the ice. I, I tweeted this out last night as well. I hold my breath every single time that Crosby line is on the ice right now because they're they're looking that good. They're looking that dangerous every single time that they're out there. So I realize, you know, a lot of times the Penguins are going to that line on the shift that immediately follows a goal. And, you know, it's hard to just wave your wand and, and come up with uh, some kind of a magical solution here because they're firing on all cylinders right now. But you just have to be better. You just have to be a little bit sharper. And like I said, I think the Rangers improved in that department as this game continued. Uh, certainly after the Panarin goal, you know, we saw the Rangers get a goal from Frank, Frank Vetrano. After the Vetrano goal, they continued to play well after that one as well. So they've got it in them, but I really hope that they've learned their lesson from this because the Penguins... Like them or not, they are a veteran team, and they understand how to win in the playoffs. They're the team that kind of, you know, they do have that aura about them that they're the team that's kind of been there and done that. And clearly, they understand the importance of a shift that immediately follows a goal, particularly in a playoff series, because we've seen them uh, really come storming back in a lot of different instances where a goal has been scored on the very following shift. So I hope the Rangers, once again, they're the younger team, they're the less experienced team, but I really hope they're learning their lesson there. I hope that continues to be a point of emphasis from Gerard Gallant and the coaching staff. And he even mentioned that a little bit uh, in his post-game presser. I'm going to talk about that and uh, some other things as well. Certainly, uh, you know, the officiating, I think we got to at least touch upon that. It's obviously a hot-button topic among both fan bases right now. But first, I just want to let everybody know, Today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Make sure that everyone has a bar so you are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars, they're healthy and delicious. No more sacrificing delicious foods for health. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order now. All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. And that means with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. Built Bar makes sure that there is something for everyone. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So I mentioned a second ago uh, something that Gerard Gallant said after the game, and in fact, I've got the exact quote in front of me right here, right now. He said, it's good to get on the board, but it's even better when you play a complete game, and we need to play that a little bit better. Every time we seem to get some momentum going, we give it back to them, and we can't keep doing that. We've got to play better and stronger hockey in our D zone. And yeah, I think he pretty much hit the nail right on the head there. It kind of goes back to what I was talking about, about, you know, the uh, the rough shifts that tend to follow a goal in this series for the Rangers. And uh, like I said, they got better at that in game two. They started to seemingly have better shifts on the uh, shift that follows a goal. But uh, for the most part, yeah, that's an area where I think the Rangers definitely need to improve. And they have not played their best yet. I realize this series is 1-1. It could very easily be 2 to nothing Rangers. The Rangers have not quite put their best foot forward yet. I, you could probably say the same thing about the Penguins as well, to be completely fair here. I mean, they're not getting any offense outside of the Crosby line. So yeah, I think both teams have more to give. And this series is just going to be a treat to watch if you're 
Maybe not so much if you're a Ranger or Penguin fan because you're probably, you know, shaking while these games are, are happening. Uh, but if you're just a general hockey fan, to me, this is the series to watch in the first round. I know there's a lot of good matchups and a lot of great hockey being played right now. But man, Rangers, Penguins, this is must-see TV uh, no matter who you cheer for. Something else that I thought the Rangers did much better in Game 2 as opposed to Game 1 is they very simply just got the puck at the net. They end up with 40 shots on goal in this game. Uh, Penguins got 41, but uh, the Rangers weren't necessarily looking for that fancy pass or that perfect play or whatever it might be. Uh, when in doubt, you know, playing the puck toward the net, trying to create some havoc in front of the net. And in fact, uh, that strategy clearly paid dividends in the second period. The Rangers and Penguins were tied at 1 following the first period, and then they get a power play goal by Ryan Strom uh, about 3 minutes minutes into the second period, a uh, tip-in goal there, and then a tip-in goal that we already talked about uh, just about 10 minutes after that or nine minutes after that, Chris Kreider scores on a deflection of a shot from Frank Vitrano. And so again, just keeping it simple. I mean, I don't want to be that guy that just screams, shoot, shoot, shoot. You know, everybody knows somebody like that. And of course, you know, fans in attendance can get impatient sometimes and they'll just be yelling, shoot. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Rangers, I, to me, they simplified their offensive approach at least a little bit in this game. They did what they do best and they got uh, some deflection goals, which they've been so good at this season, especially Kreider. But Rangers have scored on their fair share of tipping goals this season for sure, just in general as well. And you know, that kind of leads me into the next thing I want to talk about. The Rangers finally got a power play. I No one even really knew how to react when it happened. Uh, the Penguins went, uh, I remember seeing the stat, it was 117 minutes without the Rangers getting a power play. And in that time, the Penguins had been given six power plays. And I don't want to go nuts on the officials. Let me just say something real quick here. NHL officials, I respect them very much. This is not an easy job. They they are tasked with uh, you know officiating and policing this sport that's going a million miles per hour, especially in the playoffs. You know everybody's so big, so fast, flying all over the ice, and there's a lot of gray area, and you have to decide whether that's a trip or not, or. You know, should I let that go because I let a similar play go earlier in the game against the other team? And, you know, there's there's a lot. It's not an easy sport to officiate. Like I said, uh, that doesn't even take into account the physical toll that these officials take. I mean, that game the other night went into triple overtime. Can you imagine how many miles these referees must have been skating up and down the rink the entire night? And on top of that, they're not in their 20s and 30s like the players. You know, the, a lot of these guys are quite a bit older. So it's an extraordinarily difficult job. Uh, but again, you know, the first period, it had Ranger fans upset and I can't really blame them because you look at the penalty that was called against Patrick Nemeth. And let me just say, by the letter of the law, that is a cross check. What, what Patrick Nemeth did is a cross check. Uh, he didn't hit him very hard, but you watch what he did. He had his stick in two hands. He put it into uh, his opponent's back and he was called for a penalty. And Patrick Nemeth, by the way, has to be smarter than that. That's his third penalty in the first two games. And it was just completely not necessary at all because he was nowhere near the play when he did it. So that's first and foremost. But if you're going to call a penalty like that, and then you're not going to call a penalty when Igor Shesterkin is knocked down behind the Ranger net in the first period, when Mika Zibanejad is, you know, shoved in the face while he's down on one knee uh, also in the first period, and then you're not going to call Sidney Crosby for tripping Adam Fox in the neutral zone near the end of the first period that doesn't work for me. If you're going to call that that little love tap from Patrick Nemeth, then one of those three things that I just mentioned on the Penguins, at least one of them has to be a penalty. And none of them were called. Uh, Ranger fans were had pretty much had it 
up to their eyeballs at that point. Uh, to be completely fair to the refs, though, there was a very similar penalty uh, that was called against Patrick Nemeth, called against the Penguins as well in the uh, second period. That's what gave the Rangers a power play, and that's what led to Ryan Strom scoring a goal that put the Rangers up 2-1 to one and had them on top for the rest of the night. So I suppose, you know, in that aspect, it was fair. You know, it was a very similar cross-check-looking play. Marino was called for cross-checking Andrew Kopp in the offensive zone. And, you know, one of my favorite things about these playoffs so far have been the sarcastic cheers from the fans at Madison Square Garden. There was an instance in Game 1 uh, in the overtime period where, on the same shift, it looked like the Penguins uh, twice iced the puck and the linesman just didn't call it. And then... They blatantly iced the puck a little bit later in the overtime, and they called icing, and the sarcastic cheer from the Mar Madison Square Garden crowd was just fantastic. It was just hilarious, and uh, they did the same thing here. We're like, wow, you, oh, good job. You guys You guys finally called a penalty against the Penguins. Nice job. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is it is what it is. It's something that, unfortunately, has become a huge talking point among both fan bases. You really hope, you know, these teams are evenly matched. It's a great division matchup. You really hope that this series doesn't come down to a controversial officiating call one way or the other. You just hope the players can settle it and may the best team win. And I think Ranger fans and Penguin fans, we don't agree on much. I think we can agree on that for sure. And then the only other thing that I wanted to talk about uh, before we call it a day here is obviously what happened at the very end of this game. Rangers are up 5-2. to two. Penguins have the goalie pulled, and there's just north of two minutes remaining in the game. The puck is behind uh, the Ranger net. Igor Shesterkin leaves it for Adam Fox. Fox is going to skate out the other side. And then here comes Jeff Carter, knee on knee with Igor Shesterkin. Igor goes flying into the air, crashes to the ice. Uh, kudos to Adam Fox and Alexi Lafreniere both for going after Carter, standing up for their goalie. I've watched this play so many times at this point. And let me first just say, you know, the TNT announcers, I was watching this game on MSG because they're just far better announcers on MSG. And on top of that, you know, we're Ranger fans, so we want our guys. But, you know, they were making it sound like Igor Shesterkin initiated the contact here, and he was the one who stuck his leg out. I mean, Igor Shesterkin's left leg may have been out a little bit, but Jeff Carter did absolutely nothing to avoid contact here with Igor Shesterkin, and he was pretty far away from him, uh, you know, before the contact was made. I mean, he, he traveled a good distance there to get to Igor Shesterkin, and they're trying to make it sound like the, the TNT announcers, that is, that, you know, Carter, you know, he's trying to get behind the net. He has to get to Adam Fox, or Fox is going to come around the other side and, you know, rip it into the empty net. And they're claiming that Igor Shesterkin is the one that stuck his leg out uh, into Jeff Carter, and he's the one who initiated the contact, and basically that he was the one at fault, which is ridiculous. This game is 5-2 to two at this point. Why is Igor Shesterkin who is playing in his first real Stanley Cup playoff tournament. I mean, I know the Rangers were in the bubble a couple of years ago, but blinking, you miss it. They were swept right out by the Carolina Hurricanes, and frankly, the Rangers just weren't that good of a team that year. They benefited from the 2014 playoff structure. But, yeah, I mean, why Why would Igor Shesterkin do this? It, it's a three-goal game. Why is he going to risk injury by sticking his leg into Carter? Igor's behind the net, and he's coming back into his crease. There, there was no other way for him to get there. He couldn't have really, um, you know come back around the net any tighter than he did. It's not like, you know, he swooped around and, you know, it was far away from his net and there was nothing Jeff Carter could do. Carter knew what he was doing. I mean, Carter initiated this contact because at this point, he really had nothing to lose. I mean, it's a it's a three-goal game. I suppose it's not over till it's over, but uh, by that point, obviously, it's looking pretty certain that the Rangers are going to win. I did not like this play at all by Jeff Carter. And look, am I Ranger biased a little bit here? Maybe I am. But I think pretty much any fan base in the NHL, you see something like this happen to your goalie, you're going to see red. You don't like this. And Igor Shesterkin, 
Somebody who seems to be the slam dunk Vesna winner should even be in the Hart Trophy conversation as well. The Rangers can ill afford to lose him. And to see this happen at the end of a game, a game that the Rangers have well in hand, it just makes you sick as a Ranger fan. I think all of us were collectively holding our breath when Igor was down on the ice. And, you know, when he got back up and finished the game, I think that's got us all feeling better. Haven't seen an update on him today, which is probably a good thing. Um, but yeah, I did not like this play at all by Jeff Carter. And um, that's pretty much the long and short of it. I... Glad that Igor Shosturkin is okay because the Rangers obviously need him. I saw some Penguin fans and maybe even just some general hockey fans suggesting that, you know, Igor was being a little bit dramatic on this play. Look, maybe a little bit, but I mean, this guy just took a knee to his knee. He went flying into the air in a very awkward, you know, angle. He hit the ice very hard. And I think a lot of times when you are hit like this and, and you know, again, goalies are not used to taking physical contact like this. And so, you know, he goes twisting through the air. He crashes onto the ice. I think for a second, you're probably almost a little bit afraid to move. Like, what just happened? Am I okay? How's my knee? How's my back? You know, he landed on his back pretty hard there. Obviously, the trainer came out. Um, so I'm just glad that he certainly seems to be okay because uh, just a huge, huge part of this New York Ranger team. I mean, forgive me for stating the obvious there, but it needs to be reemphasized when you see something like this happen. They obviously uh, really need him. If he, if Alex Georgiev had to step in in a pinch, I think he'd at least give the Rangers a chance, but uh, he doesn't do what Igor Shosturkin does. And what Igor does is basically give the Rangers a goaltending edge going into every single game, regardless of who the opponent might be. So, again, fingers crossed that he's okay. It certainly seems like he will be. He said as much after the game himself. And uh, we'll just look ahead to Game 3 and the continuation of what has been a very noteworthy, uh, very emotional, and uh, just crazy series so far. Definitely looking forward to that. That will pretty much do it for today, though, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we'll be breaking down everything that happens between the Rangers and Penguins in Game 3 on Saturday. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. From first-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.